You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Monday show for you. We're going to go over those plays in college and pro football from this past weekend. We're also going to talk a lot of college football, some storylines happening, and we're also going to dip into what happened in the NFL and the fact that this is just an unders season in the NFL, if I've ever seen one. My gosh. I mean, just another 75% of the games this week gone under. It's it's crazy. It's like every single week. Unreal. Anyway, we'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's talk about what happened in college football with my plays this week. You know, I know this is going to sound like, well, you're saying this after the fact. I should have said this on Friday, but basically all week, I was going back and forth on what I wanted my best bet to be, either Iowa State or Bama. I liked Bama, and then I was just so scared by LSU's offense, but then I should have realized uh, a better defensive team at home is going to win that game, and I just didn't think LSU was going to beat Alabama two years in a row. And, I mean, I had Alabama as a play. Like I said, I knew I liked Alabama, but I, you know, it's just I chose wrong. And I had Kansas, excuse me, Iowa State minus the two and a half at home against Kansas. Uh, They cut it to three points with seven minutes left and easily uh, could have been in that game. Uh, The very first play with seven and a half minutes left after um, Kansas had come back from a 21 to three deficit. They cut it to 21-18 and the very first play, Kansas goes for an 80-yard touchdown and they go up 28-18. Iowa State comes back, marches down the field, kicks a field goal, cuts it to seven, and then Kansas took over with, I think, around four minutes left in the game. And, you know, Kansas gets a stop, or Iowa State gets a stop, they get the ball back, and they have a chance. You know, at least, uh, assuming they didn't go for two, if they would have gotten a touchdown getting the ball back, but Kansas got two first downs, and that was it. So, Iowa State never got the ball back. They lose 28-21, lose the best bet, drops to 7-2-1 and one on the season. My other picks uh, in college, boy, Nebraska. I sang their praises, didn't I? And I was like, all they got to do is beat Michigan State to be bowl eligible. Michigan State hadn't won a Big Ten game all year, and Nebraska just lays an egg. I mean, they lost by three, but you shouldn't lose to Michigan State. I don't care if it's on the road or not. So, Nebraska loses. Florida State doesn't cover the 21 against Pittsburgh. They go up 24-7 with a minute left in the third quarter, and there's no scoring in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you actually saw the end of the game. Florida State basically got down to the two-yard line with under a minute to go, and then they just took a knee and ran out the clock. So, And they actually ran. I mean, they ran two plays inside the 10-yard line, and both uh, were positive gains, but they ended the game on the Pittsburgh two-yard line which would have given them the cover. And then Bama was the other win. So I went 0-1 on my uh, best bet, 1-2 on my picks. But, man, second week in a row, my underdog plays undefeated, 2-0 on the underdog plays. One of them won outright. So if you go back two weeks, my underdog plays are 5-0 with four of them winning outright. We cover with Kansas State against Texas. They lose by three. They should have won the game outright. Anybody watching that knows Kansas should uh, Kansas State should have won that game. Uh, just horrible play calling in that overtime after Texas got the ball first, kicked a field goal. Uh, you were down there inside the 10-yard line first and goal. And, uh, you know, I have no problem with them going for it. Just I don't like the play calling on fourth down. And then Oklahoma State, I mean, what a win for them just because Bedlam 
is probably coming to an end. The last time they're going to play Oklahoma, Oklahoma has dominated that series. I think it's like 97-20 and 20 against Oklahoma State. But you know what? Do you think the Cowboys care that Oklahoma beat them 77 more times, that Oklahoma State beat them? No. This is all about what happened to you and what have you done for me lately. And after a loss at Kansas last week, I just have not been on Oklahoma. And now they're pretty much out of the Big 12 race, I would think. Oklahoma State controls their own destiny. It looks like it's going to be Oklahoma State and Texas in the Big 12 championship because I know Oklahoma State controls their own destiny, and the three teams that they play coming up are all three teams that were new uh, to the Big 12 this year and have either zero or one win in conference. So it's all there for Oklahoma State. They went outright 27-24 as a six-point dog. We win plus 200 on the on the money line, and now we've pushed over uh, over 500 now in college football on the underdog plays. Now we're 14, 13, and 1, and plus 2.6 units on the money line. The three-team 10-point tees in college was an easy winner. Uh, Kansas State getting 14.5. They lost by 3. Oklahoma State getting 16. They won by 3. Bama getting 7. They won by 14. So 4-3 and three on the day. That Florida State game, ugh. God, if they could have punched it in, it would have been nice to have a 5-2 and two day, especially uh, with how well did in the pros this week. So, hey, we'll take it. 4-3 and three on the day. Good day overall in, in college football. Could have been better, but, man, I wish I would have had Bama. God, I should have taken Bama as the, as the best bet and had um, Iowa State in just the other plays. Interesting happenings at USC. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody <laughs> that Lincoln Riley fired defensive coordinator Alex Grinch. Uh, when you give up 50 a game and you're supposed to be a national title contender at the beginning of the season, I mean, this was a team that was ranked in the top 10 at the beginning of the season. They already have three losses. They can't stop anybody. Caleb Williams is working miracles out there. Could you imagine if they didn't have Caleb Williams behind center? They might win two games, maybe three. I just... He has to do everything for them. He has to do keep them in every single game. So Lincoln Riley, whether he was forced to by the administration or by the donors and the alumni, whatever the case, he fired Alex Grinch, and that was the right move because you can't – first off, he should have fired Alex Grinch at the end of last season when he gave up 47 points to Utah in the Pac-12 championship and then like 45 to fucking Tulane in a bowl game, and you lose a bowl game to Tulane because you can't stop anybody. Should have fired him after last season. He didn't. He brings him back, and it's like, well, what do you expect? I've said this about Lincoln Riley. Probably the best offensive mind in college football. But why this guy doesn't care about defense, why he doesn't recruit defense, why he doesn't get a better scheme, get like pay top dollar. I mean, they're USC. They might as well just go out and get the best defensive coordinator in college football and pay him whatever because – he can have all the five-star recruits in all the skill positions and running backs and speed all over the field and wide receivers and five-star quarterbacks coming out of high school. But if that team doesn't play any defense, they're never going to win a national championship. And I don't know why. I mean, this is what his Oklahoma teams were. What did he go? He went to the college football playoff four out of the five years he was at Oklahoma. And every year, when they got bounced out of the playoffs, they gave up a shit ton of points and yards. And it's just like, it's the same thing. None of us should be surprised 
at what's happening to USC this year. Even when they were good last year and went, what, 10-2 and two in the regular season, still gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points. They just outscored teams. That's only going to get you so far. And so he fires uh, the defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. They move on from him. But, man, what a disaster it has turned out to be. And, look, Caleb Williams has, what, two games left in his college career because there is zero, zero, zero point zero 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 chance he's playing in a bowl game. The second this season is over and he's got nothing to play for, he's not going to go play in the fucking Alamo Bowl. Now, granted, it's looking like there's a chance that USC could play Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl, which, I mean, the Oklahoma fans will lose their shit because they cannot stand Lincoln Riley. But it's not going to be Caleb Williams, and I'm guessing some other guys are probably going to sit out. So Oklahoma will have all the incentive in the world, and USC coming into the season with national championship aspirations, trying to get Caleb back-to-back Heisman trophies, and they're going to fail miserably on both. And it's not, and Caleb didn't fail. His team failed him because he's been awesome. But you can't win in college football if you can't get stops. I mean, look at the look at the teams that have dominated. Clemson had a great defense when they were winning national championships. Bama, Georgia. I mean, it, you can't just – it looks great in the regular season, running up and down the field and putting 60 points on people. But when it really matters, can you get a stop? Can you get a tackle? Can you hold a team to 20 to 30 points in a game? USC can't. I mean, it was embarrassing watching that game against Washington. Washington isn't even a good running team. They're one of the lower-ranked rushing offenses in all of college football, and the running back put over 250 yards on them and four touchdowns. I mean, (laughs) that is embarrassing. It wasn't even the Michael Penix show, although Penix was great. The running back stole the show. He was the reason that Washington won that game. So unfortunate for USC, but, man, uh, I don't. I, I don't know what they're going to do and what Lincoln Riley's going to do. I, if I'm him, I just go to the administration and say, what kind of check can I cut and what defensive coordinator can I go steal for the most amount of money that any defensive coordinator is being paid in college football? Because if we can get that side of the football shored up, we have a shot at this thing. But it doesn't seem like he's interested in doing that. He would have done it by now. He brought Alex Grinch over from Oklahoma. Like None of us should have been surprised about any of this, but apparently some people in L.A. are. Bad, bad move by USC. So let's talk about those NFL plays from yesterday. Four and two on the day. I win my best bet. I go three and oh on my other picks. It was my underdog play that lost and my three teamer that lost because I didn't follow the rule that I said I was going to follow. And uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But a, uh, a big be- a best bet winner on the Bengals minus two last night. That game was pretty much in control by the Bengals the whole time. Once they went up seven nothing, you kinda I know Buffalo tied it, but um you just felt like Cincinnati was in control of that whole game. Three and oh on uh the other picks that I had, which I'm very, very happy with because I'm now nineteen and seven on those. I'm seventy three percent on my other picks in the NFL. If you combine them, so that makes me 19-7 and 2 on those. If you combine them with my best bets, which are now 3-4 and 1, that's 22-33 and 3. That's 67% on my plays that aren't underdogs or three-team 10-point teasers, which I thought I was going to just steamroll my three-team 10-point teasers this year, and I fell to 4 and 6. I might have to rethink this, but 
best bet winner on Cincinnati Bengals. The other three picks went 3-0. and Philly minus the three. Yes, we basically avoided a push because Dak Prescott stepped out of bounds and was a half a yard short on the two-point conversion. We also escaped at the very end of the game where the Dallas Cowboys had first and goal at the six and somehow ended up with fourth and goal at the 27. <laughs> oh, Cowboys. Basically, when the Cowboys play somebody good, just bet, back, bet against them. I mean, win all your games against the Patriots by 35 at home and beat the Jets by 20 at home and destroy the Rams and go up 33-3 to in the first half against the Rams at home. Again, I don't want to say their regular season is meaningless, but when it comes to a team that hasn't done dick in the playoffs and has won five playoff games in 28 years, I don't care what they do during the regular season. I don't care if they win every regular season game by 40 at home. Have you noticed that when they play somebody good, they don't beat those teams by 40. They don't even beat them, period. They've played the Niners this year. They lost by 28. Yes, they played Philly tough, but they should play them tough. They're a division opponent. They play them every year, twice. Dallas will probably win the rematch, but if they don't, they're certainly not winning the NL, uh, um, the NL, the NFC East, which will be our first repeat NFC East champion in 18 years. So... We could have that streak broken if the Eagles hold on and win the NFC East, which they currently have a two-and-a-half game lead in with only eight games to play. So they'd have to really – I mean, that maybe Jalen Hurts' knee gives out, or I, I certainly hope it doesn't, but I'm just saying the only, the only way I can see Philadelphia losing the NFC East is if Jalen Hurts misses a few games. Because you do you now realize over the last two seasons, in the regular season, I want to say Jalen Hurts, he's either 27-2 and two or 28-2. and two. I mean, it's something ridiculous. Because last year he missed two games and they lost. He was 14-1 and one in the regular season. This year he is, what, um, they're 9-1. and one. So 23-2? And, in his last 25 regular season starts, I thought it was more than that. Maybe I went back in the season before it, but uh, this guy is, I, or maybe it's since he took over as a starter. I, I don't know what the number is, but just in these last two seasons, we know last year he was 14-1 and one as a starter because he missed two games, and they lost both of them. And then this year, he's 9-1. and one. So that's 23-2 and two as a star- in his last 25 starts uh, for the Eagles in the regular season. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, Cleveland was a winner, minus seven. Now, if you put it in on Friday, it was minus seven. If you put it in yesterday, you were probably laying 13, but did it really matter? <laughs> you were going against Clayton Toon. There's a reason Clayton Toon was getting 13 points. They could have played 10 quarters, and I think Cleveland would have shut out the Arizona Cardinals because Clayton Toon wasn't putting up any points against that defense. The what did I read? The Cardinals had fifty, like eighty yards of offense, something ridiculous like that. They didn't even get hundred yards of offense. So uh, I and that was just an absolute steamroll. And then the Chiefs, I, I just didn't see the Chiefs losing two in a row. They win overseas in Germany, and they beat the Miami Dolphins. Another, the Miami Dolphins are very similar to the Dallas Cowboys. Every team under five hundred, the Dolphins will steamroll and look great. Every team over five hundred, they're not going to beat. They've lost to the Bills, they've lost to the Eagles, and now they've lost to the Chiefs. 
As for the two losses, that was just brutal. Uh, Seattle was never in that game against Baltimore. Baltimore might be a team that when they're at home, you just don't bet against them. Their lines are going to be inflated the rest of the season, unless it just gets completely out of hand. But, I mean, 38-6 to against Detroit in their last home game, and then, you know, yesterday against uh, Seattle. What was it, 30-3 to was the final? Um, thirty. I'm sorry, 37-3. to I mean, just two routes. 32 and 34-point victories in your last two home games. Baltimore, probably the best team in the AFC right now, and look really, really good. They're going to be tough to beat uh, playoff time. And then the three-team 10-point teaser, like I said at the beginning, I got to just start using my plays. Uh, you know, I, I used two of the three plays were the plays uh, that I had as regular bets. Cincinnati plus eight, they won the game by six. Cleveland plus two and a half, they won the game by 27. But then the third one I threw in there was the Kansas City-Miami over. Now, granted, Whoever thought the Miami Dolphins were going to score 14 points in a game? Um, 21-14 was the final. It did not go over 41 points, so that is a loser. But, again, if I use any of the uh, four plays, you know, Cincinnati, Philly, Cleveland, um, or just Kansas City, uh, Kansas City should have been the – I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry about that. Kansas City should have been the play. I don't know why I was screwing out on the totals, especially when I'm betting the over on totals – and totals are absolutely dominating this year in the NFL. Have you seen these numbers? This is ridiculous. You realize right now, through last night's Sunday night game, unders are 83-52-1 this year, 61% on the season. That's the best through this many games in 33 years. Since 1990, we've never seen this many unders hit, and primetime unders I mean, I, I, I tell it to you every week. I hope you're betting primetime unders because, once again, Thursday night game, Pittsburgh, 20-16 to 16 winners, that went under. Sunday night game, Cincinnati-Buffalo, that went under by eight points. And that was 21 points scored in the first quarter on a game that had a total of 51. 21 were scored in the first quarter. You were thinking, uh-oh. You know what happened? 21 points scored the rest of the game. 21 and 7. Sunday night and Monday night football is just an under special. Right now, through nine weeks on Sunday night football, eight of the nine Sunday night games have gone under. On Monday night, there's been 10 games because we had twice we had uh, on Monday night football, we had two games. So there's been 10 Monday night games. Nine of those have gone under. 17 out of 19 Sunday and Monday night football games have gone under this year. It's just. And look. Usually this stuff evens itself out, so it might I, I, I want to say like be careful because at some point this trend has got to switch, but just the way the season is going, it's not like this is a small sample size. I mean, we've had a hundred and thirty six games this year. Um I mean that's just <laughs> that's ridiculous. 135, 136, something like that. That is ridiculous that we're looking at that many unders, 61%. When usually at the end of the season, when you look at it, when you look at favorites versus underdogs, you look at overs versus unders, it's right around 50 51%. It's almost like right down the middle, you know, give or take a few here and there. To be at 61% nine weeks through the NFL season is ludicrous. I think one of the other amazing stories from yesterday 
is the Minnesota Vikings winning in Atlanta 31-28. And not just because they won the game outright as an underdog. I mean, we know that happens all the time. They were four-point underdogs. And Atlanta has shown that they are not a good team when they're a favorite. But did you read what happened after the game? Or the fact that, okay, first off, Minnesota started Jaron Hall, who was a rookie out of BYU. He got a concussion in the first quarter, so they threw in Josh Dobbs, who they traded for this week, who came from Arizona. However, Josh Josh Dobbs came to the Vikings midweek. Josh Dobbs didn't take a single rep with the offense during practice this week. He took no snaps from Garrett Bradley, the center. He had never thrown passes to anyone on the team and didn't even know most of their full names. So basically what was happening was head coach Kevin O'Connell was in his ear and not just giving a play, he was basically telling him what to look for. What's your first read? What's your second read? Where's your check down? What the defense is probably going to do? Which is not what a head coach usually does or whoever calls the plays into the headset. You usually just call a play because seemingly your quarterback knows the plays. So he was calling a play and telling Josh Dobbs what to do, and Atlanta still got beat by this guy. <laughs> Don't look now. The Minnesota Vikings are 5-4. and four. Remember, this team was 1-4 and four to start the season. Now they've reeled off four straight wins against the Bears, the Niners, the Packers, and the Falcons. They are 5-4 and four right now, and... They don't have their quarterback or Justin Jefferson, and they've won two in a row. Josh Dobbs is serviceable because, yes, while he was 1-7 as the Arizona Cardinals starting quarterback this year, we've talked about it, how Arizona has been competitive in a lot of their games. So he hasn't been terrible. He's a serviceable NFL quarterback. But look at him. I mean, look at Minnesota now. That's crazy. They're 5-4. and four. They got New Orleans, Denver, and Chicago in their next three. I mean, could this team reel off, reel off seven? And, and then Vegas after that. Could this team literally reel off four straight wins and go to nine and four? I don't think it's far-fetched. And the fact that they're five and four now, and if the I think if the playoffs started today, they'd be a playoff team. Let me look at the standings here. So in the, in the NFC Central, well, there is no Central. What am I talking about? NFC North. They're 5-4. and four. They're in second place in the NFC North. Detroit 6-2. and two. They're in first place. So right now, if the playoffs started, Philly, Detroit, New Orleans, and, and San Francisco 49ers are your division leaders. So that means you got, you know, you got four, and then you need, th- you need three wild cards. Right now, it would be the Cowboys – the Vikings, and the Seahawks. So the Vikings would be in the playoffs, started today. And if you really look at it, I, I, they would have to have a major collapse because if you look at the – those are the, every team that I just read you are the only teams that are over 500 in the NFC. Washington's 4-5, and five, Green Bay's 3-5, Tampa Bay's 3-5, Rams 3-6. and six. Those, are the next, those would be the next tier of teams. Those are the teams that would have to catch them. So – I mean, granted, we still have – most teams still have uh, roughly nine games left. Some have eight games left. But if you look at it, I'd say we're 
we might already have the seven teams that make the playoffs in the NFC. You know? I think we can pretty much say that Philly, Dallas, Detroit, Minnesota, New Orleans, San Francisco, and Seattle are your seven playoff teams. Is that a lot of turnover from last year? Philly made the playoffs last year. Dallas made the playoffs last year. Minnesota made the playoffs last year. Uh, Who made it out of the NFC South? I don't even remember. Was it New Orleans? Atlanta? Tampa? Oh, it was Tampa because Brady was the quarterback last year. Um, So that'll change. So two teams are different. San Francisco and Seattle both made it. So really, it looks like usually there's 50% turnover every year um, in playoff teams from the year before. Looks like in the NFC, we're only going to get two different teams, and that's going to be probably New Orleans making it and Tampa Bay not, and Detroit's going to make it, and I can't remember the other team that made it. Oh, the Giants. So the Giants aren't going to make it, and Detroit will make it. So we might have a little bit less turnover than in years past, but, man, uh, this is (laughs) – I I know we still have plenty of football to play. Some teams might get hot. Some teams are playing better. Washington's halfway decent, I guess. They're four and five, but – Oh, my gosh. It's amazing to see that only seven teams in the NFC are over 500 through nine weeks, and those are probably going to be your seven playoff teams. I, I mean, you just look at those teams that I read you that are under 500. Tampa Bay, three and five. Do you really think they're going to make a run? You think Tampa's going to go six and three over their last nine games? I, I don't think so. Green Bay, do they scare any of you? No. I guess the only team that has a chance really – is Washington because they're four and five, and even Washington, they're one and three at home. <laughs> like they're they're zero and three in their division. Like what? <laughs> so uh, a, a crazy NFL season, but it's been pretty straightforward. A lot of favorites are winning every week, and the games are going under. Yesterday, another prime example. There were th- there's been thirteen games this week, right? Thirteen games this week, and nine favorites covered. Four underdogs, and only two of them won outright. So through 136 games, we've had 54 underdogs cover a game. 41 of them won outright. So, I I mean, I don't want to say Vegas is getting their ass kicked because they're not, because it seems like every week there's at least one or two games that kill uh, a lot of parlays and teasers. But a big day for the favorites yesterday. And, you know, the dogs that did win, were any of them really a giant surprise? I mean, there wasn't any big underdogs. Obviously, the biggest line was New Orleans. They covered and cover or they didn't cover, but they covered a tease. Cleveland covered their line. Baltimore covered their line. Those lines were the biggest ones. Six, nine, and thirteen. Everything else was three and a half or less. So the ones that did win outright, Minnesota is a three and a half, four point dog. They won outright. Tampa covered, but I don't think a ton of money was coming in on the Houston Texans. Washington's a three-point underdog. They won outright in New England. And then, like I said, uh, Chicago covered against New Orleans. I I don't know how New Orleans beat Chicago by seven when they were plus five in the turnover battle. I mean, I I, trust me, I need New Orleans to win. They're probably going to win the division, which I have as well, but I need them to win ten games this year. And they're five and four right now, so I need them to go – Five and four. Oh, wait, no, they only have 17 games. So I need them to go five and three over their last um, 
eight games. So, and they're at Minnesota this week. That'll be a big game uh, because, you know, can Minnesota keep it up? They're both five and four, probably a coin flip game. But if they can win that, then they go into their bye week six and four. Then I need four. I need them to go four and three the rest of the way. But I'm just so. This is probably my only NFL totals over or under that I don't know if I'm going to win. The other ones are pretty solid. But if I don't, you know, if I don't win this one, that's it's my top one. I'm still end up coming out on top because I think I'm going to end up going uh, four and one on my NFL totals. But if they win and I go five and zero oh on my NFL win totals this year, I, I'll be very happy. But they worry me just because they're so inconsistent. I mean. This was the Chicago Bears. You had them on your home field, and you were plus five in the turnover margin, and that game was a sweat until the fourth quarter. I'm glad they got the win. If they can win the game next week in Minnesota, that would be huge. Six and four heading into their bye week with seven games left. I just need them to go four and three, and none of the teams they play are world beaters. So we already went over this last week. But next week, I'd say, is the big game. If they win next week, I think they'll get to 10 wins this year. If they don't win next week and go 5-5, five and five, that's going to be tough because then then I need them to go 5-2 uh, and two over their last seven. It's possible, but 4-3 and three would be a lot more manageable. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review when you get a chance. Uh, tell your friends about it. Another great week. Uh, in pros this week, my gosh, I'm hitting 73% in my picks. Uh, in my other picks, I'm hitting 67% overall uh, in – or 67% in best bets and picks. So uh, good week overall. We went, uh, what, 8-5 and five between college and pro. I'll take it. Uh, tell your friends about it. Let them know. We're doing really well and try to keep it going. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be – the greatest reality show on television. Damn.